0: and welcome to the Stronghold Podcast. Uh, If you are a fight fan and you are in Singapore, it's been a great week for you all. Welcome to the Stronghold Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We're finally out of the second quarantine, the second lockdown. Uh, It's been six weeks since the gyms were opened up and since everything closed down. And finally this week, we are back cooking again. So everybody, hopefully all of you guys listening are back to training again and also... Dude, there have been more fights this week. Jake, the producer, everybody, over there on the other side. What's up, my brother?
1: Uh, not a lot. Like you said, there's been an obs- not only an obscene number of fights, there is an obscene amount of sport on at this moment in time. So I have watched no fights. <laughs> Dude, you've
0: got the rugby, you've got the football, you've got the bare knuckle, you've got the boxing, you've got the MMA. Let me just lay this down really, and for anybody listening. If you're an MMA fan, uh, in the last 10 days... Let's, let's yeah. say we've had, oh, man, go through the fight. So we had the UFC today. Today was gone and, and Alexander Volkov. You had that whole card.
1: Korean zombie last week.
0: Korean zombie last week. Lomachenko just fought today. We've got like two, two, three three, maybe, of the top five pound-for-pound fighters. Sorry, two out of the top five pound-for-pound fighters fighting in the last uh, 10 days or so. Uh, Inoue just fought last week. He looked amazing. He had three body shot knockdowns. Have you heard of this guy, Jake?
1: Uh, no, 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 I I only follow British boxers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so pull this guy up. Uh, his last name is Inoue, uh, Neowa, ne, no, no Naoa, e, Neowa, no, Inoue. He's, uh, easily top three pound for pound boxing in the world. He dropped this guy three times with liver shots, three times with a left hook to the body. This guy's amazing, dude. He's like, I think he's 26, 28 years old, something like that. He's top three pound for pound in boxing, Japanese fighter. Uh, Amazing. He's got one of the nastiest body attacks you'll ever see. Also, 52 kilos. Maybe. Maybe even less. Super small guy. Ridiculous power to the body. He's top three, arguably top two pound for pound in boxing right now. It's like him and Canelo are top two. He just fought. And then uh, Lomachenko just fought today. He got a nice win. It looks like the rematch between him and uh, Timofeo Lopez is going to come up soon. So you had like two of the great boxers, uh, top pound-for-pound in the world that just fought. Anderson Silva just fought Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. last week. You've got the MMA fights today. You've got the bare knuckle. The bare knuckle just happened. There were like three title fights, I think, on the bare knuckle, including uh, Tiago Alves, a household name everybody knows if you follow MMA. He fought for a title. Uh, Joe Riggs, who fought Matt Hughes way back in the day for the welterweight title, he fought. Uh, you had uh, Joey Beltran, who's the current bare-knuckle heavyweight champion, former UFC vet. He fought Paige Van Zandt and Rachel Ostevich fight, I think, next week. I mean, dude, I just can't keep up. No, it's impossible. It's so, impossible.
1: But you, as I was saying to you, you throw on top of that, the European championships happening in football uh, slash soccer, depending on where in the world you're from, and then there is so much rugby on at this moment in time as well that you just sport for choice. It is brilliant.
0: It's good to be a sports fan and if you're in the lockdown if you're in the the covid times which a lot of uh a lot of the globe is going back down back down into the lockdown with this uh, delta variant that's just rampaging the world at the moment so uh, a lot of countries i heard australia is just going back down into yeah, sydney's going back in we just came out and uh so kind of tough depending on where you're at but also you know, if you're a sport fan, there's if you're a fight fan, there's tons of stuff going on. So, I don't even know where to start with this, dude. I don't know where you want to tap into this. I know, actually, I know exactly where I'm going to start. What do we got here? Big old fat stogie. That's where we're going to start, dude. First week back of training, I'm sore as a mother bleeper. I can't swear in the first 30 seconds of the show anymore. They won't <laughs> let, let us ever get monetized. So, has it been 30 seconds? Yeah, you're I'm right, sore as a motherfucker, dude. I'm a sore as a motherfucker. My calves, my hands. Back to training this week. Everything hurts. All the pain that I forgot about because I don't. I train year round. Yeah. Right. So I'm not. I'm always sore, but the kind of first sore that you get when you take a long time off. I haven't felt that in a while.
1: But even if you've like kept in shape throughout, sort of thing, been working, been exercising, you know, you've still lost your wrestling cardio. Mm. You've still lost like that layer of protection in your body seems to get after a few weeks of rolling where you're not covered in bruises and your body's like, all right, there's, there's no, we're just going to keep happening to me. There's no point in making bruises anymore.
0: And it's amazing how quick you lose it. Yeah. I mean, I, I train year round, right? So it's weird that you can train, you know, even if you're casual, right? Just a couple times a week, that type of thing. If you're regularly doing that and you think about doing that for years, you know, you have your periodic breaks, you have your vacations and stuff like that. But you're like, surely you're immune to like a month, but you're not, not, man. You lose it quick. I was sparring yesterday, and we were all, you know, we haven't sparred in so long, right? And then we all decided that defense was for idiots, and we haven't <laughs> sparred so long, so we just started broing down. I woke up this morning. My forehead was so sore, which is not a good sign because that means I got punched way more than I should yeah. have. My <laughs> well, leg You've got, got CTE now. <laughs> exactly. But it was fun. It was fun to get back in there and do it again. So for all of you guys uh, in Singapore, at least, if you're back to training, good for you. Um, you know, we're still restricted quite heavily. We're only allowed to train with one other partner, which kind of sucks, but it's still good to be back in there. So uh, to all my peeps in Singapore who are back to training, tell us your stories. to Let us know how you feeling this week, because I'm feeling like shit, dude. The,
1: the worst thing that goes is, and it takes the longest time to build back up, like cardio, I reckon you can get your cardio back on. To a reasonable point in what one so two do, weeks. Do you mind
0: opening that window, or I'm gonna smoke no, this no, bitch up and so. just reach over there. Sorry, but yeah, the the cardio. But and, so. Um, yeah, the cardio is the first thing to go. You know what else goes, dude? Is the timing. Timing, I feel like, like when I'm when I'm boxing now, and I haven't boxed in a while. I've, even in jujitsu, right? Like that timing you hit when you're trying to shift the weight of someone's body, and then like you know you rock them one way, and then you're waiting for that counter pressure, and then right then you go like that timing is gone. Yeah. The cardio's gone. The strength is still there, but the, I don't know, man. It's but, just... but You can
1: get all those things back in one, two weeks. like Not top, top level, but like to a level where you're not gassed after every session. You're not wanting to vomit. But your flexibility goes so quickly yeah. and takes forever, like six months to get back. That's the annoying one.
0: Yeah, I know. We were even uh, doing, like I said, we were doing that sparring yesterday and a little bit of kick sparring and stuff today. My hips are so tight. Like, you know, I used to be able to just kick everybody in the gym's head. Even like some of our tall guys over six feet, I could throw the head kick and everything. Man, I throw that hip today. I threw that head kick today and like the wish boom, pop. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> lower back hurt. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is a bad
1: sign. So I was just messing around with um, my daughter on the mats because I've not done jujitsu this week apart from that. And I went to like, you know, sort of regain my guard, head over the shoulder sort of thing. I can do that. I can get my head, like my legs all the way over my shoulder, flat on my back and sort of. Flip round. Well, uh, sorry, I say I can. I could do that. You could. Yeah. <laughs> Tried doing it the other day. My back was like. Before the lockdown, you could. Oh yeah. Before lockdown, no worries. Yesterday, box. No.
0: What was that? I watch. Oh. Sometimes. Uh, I was like Jesus, that was a sexy ass <laughs> voice. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus, man, I need to get that voice into my head and at I, night.
1: I, I have a theory that anyone who has their like Siri set to you know like that posh male British voice. They're into some kinky shit.
0: What about the what about the female version of it though?
1: Yeah, uh, maybe a mistress complex there. I but... feel
0: like the female Siri likes it rough. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like that.
1: No, not the, the British one. No, she's she's more a dominatrix. I feel.
0: Nah, that's a front, dude. That's a you know what I mean. Those posh people, they have it's the exterior, but behind closed doors, they like a Something little weird. Freaky, you know yeah, what I mean? Kind of, yeah, yeah. That's my suspicion about some android robotic voice. <laughs> Anyway, dude, let's fucking get some common sense going on in this podcast. So, should we start with the with the UFC, man? Yeah, Cyril Gaun. Yeah, let's let's pull up the fight card, man, because uh, it was a weird one. The, the fight card was a weird one. Some surprisingly good fights. Some fights that weren't amazing. But if you look at the the main event there, Cyril Ghan, he beat Alexander Volkov in a pretty close fight. But I thought that uh, Cyril Gahn is now tied, I believe, with six the and o. Six and zero, yeah. Which I think, I think six, yeah. Ties the record, which Ngannou holds right now for the longest active win streak in the heavyweight division. Everybody's already chirping about maybe having Cyril Gunfight John Jones. No. no. Why not? Why, why not?
1: Well, I'll tell you why not, because what I saw the Ghan fight today. He spent an awful lot of time with both of his hands down by his side. Not exactly looking like he had the greatest defense in the world.
0: His striking defense is good, though, but the grappling is where you got to worry. That's where John has an advantage over everybody in the heavyweight division. It'd be tough to imagine him not being able to take down someone else. Okay, so if you're uh, Dana White, do you do? Okay, so Cyril Gaon needs somebody. So already you have uh, Nganu tied up with Derek Lewis. I think they're one and two. Yep. Or or champion and no, actually uh, Steep is still the number one contender technically, but I think Derek Lewis is the second top that, contender. That's the
1: fight they say they're trying to make, Lewis. And I think Gunnou. it's already Cause, done cause the first one was so good.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm not a fan of that, but. A lot of people are. I think they've already decided yeah. that, that fight's happening next. So then you could potentially do Cyril Ghosn versus Stepe, Or you could do John versus Cyril Ghosn. I mean, that's pretty much it, unless you just want to wait, have John wait for not
1: I, I just don't think Gunn's ready yet. I think he's got potential, and he could get to the top. But I don't see him... I definitely don't see him beating John. I wouldn't fancy him against Derek Lewis or Ngannou. You wouldn't
0: fancy him against Derek Lewis? I think Cyril can be will be Derek Lewis. Unless he gets knocked out, but man, this kickboxing is good. His kickboxing is real good. Derek Lewis has never been technical. He just has that. By the way, I, I I found the I found the next Derek Lewis. Can you pull up the fight card? This is a slight tangent, but this guy Kennedy Joku, I think, is what his name is. This guy is like the welterweight Derek Lewis. He's a he's an African fighter. Who his last two fights he's been down two rounds and then he somehow has found a way in the third round to finish people. This guy's amazing. If you're listening to, to uh or if you if you watch the fights and you have yeah, right there at the top of the top of oh, the card yep. right there. Kennedy and Joku or in, in Chuku, he's amazing. He fought this guy, this guy had him down two rounds, and it was the same person can you bring up his uh Wikipedia page? Yeah. His last two fights, I think, were third round KOs. This guy's absolutely amazing. He, he kind of is a slow starter, a little bit like Cowboy. And then somehow in the third round, he's come back and he's won these fights. And for whatever reason, he's been in the prelims for the last couple fights, but for whatever reason, I caught him. And this guy just looks absolutely amazing late. He's one of those guys that can rally late. Yeah, power. Yeah. You got, you got it there? Let's see what we got. So he lost to Paul Craig. No, no shame. that Wait, Paul Craig, was he a light heavyweight before? Can you go to the right? Oh, by triangle, um, man. Speaking of, how about Paul Craig? So I guess he's gone down a weight class, because Paul Craig's a 205-er, right? Yeah, he's not a heavyweight. But this is at welterweight, I believe. So he mm-hmm. must have. He must have. Uh, can you go up and see what weight class he's in? He's a welterweight, right? It should be at the top on the right there. Yeah, I should see it should say light heavyweight. Yeah, two hundred five. Yeah. And, but then if it, it's that's it. Okay, so he's uh, okay, so he's heavier. But there's no shame losing to Paul Craig. We talked about that dislocated arm last week of uh, Hill. Well, we did, but ago. no one saw it. Oh, yeah. because we. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you're wondering where the podcast has been the last two weeks, well, we recorded one, but it got pulled down for uh, child
1: abuse or some,
0: some shit. Not
1: literal child abuse, just so we clear. <laughs> oh, my
0: God. But this is the second time Jake and I have posted a podcast up, and it's gotten pulled down for child endangerment. I'm getting sick and tired of YouTube telling me that my MMA podcast is somehow child endangerment and I've gone through the rules and regulations on YouTube to see what exactly qualifies as child endangerment and it just, all it talks about is showing children like getting beaten, getting this, getting that. When have I ever showed that on this podcast? When? Never. Two times the podcast got pulled down for child endangerment. One of them was a podcast with Charmaine, my wife, who's not a fucking child and the other one was just a podcast where we were breaking out fight cards. Yep. Second time. YouTube is killing me, man. Some of this stuff that we get pulled down for, I just can't figure it out. So there was one that was up last week that got pulled down for child endangerment where we talked about the fights from the previous week, which included Paul Craig's nasty arm break on uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Hill, which was nasty, nasty, nasty. That shit was dislocated and back behind his arm. Paul Craig has just probably got the nastiest guard in jiu-jitsu at the moment. So, uh, but anyway, this Kennedy and Joker guy, he's good, he's... uh You can tell he's raw. He's still pretty green. But he finds a way, like Derek Lewis, to come back late in those fights. And uh, so he fought today. It was a pretty good one. Uh, Let's break down the rest of that card, dude, because there were some other bangers on there. Uh, Andre Feely had a rough go. He looked as good as he's ever looked. Yeah. He looked amazing. He landed like three head kicks in the first round. And then uh, there was a nasty eye poke that happened, and... The referee was like, how many fingers am I holding up? And he was like, seven. And he's yeah. like, no, nope, this is one hand. I can't allow you to continue.
1: <laughs> but they get, it was obviously they didn't know, because he did it twice And the first time. it was like, how many fingers? One. <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah. let him try, maybe you can't count. Let him try again.
0: But it was also weird, right? Because they didn't give him the full time. Like, why do they have the five, yeah, five minute time limit that. if they're going to call it a minute and a half in? His vision may recover. If you put some Andy Swell on it, you give him some time, maybe in five minutes he can continue. I don't know, but that was a bummer. But Andre Feely looked amazing. He looked really, really good. Uh, And the co-main event, what was the co-main event on this? Bozer and uh, the Canadian guy, Tanner Bozer and OSP, right? yep. Yeah. Tanner Bozer looked good. I mean, he's obviously like the best Canadian heavyweight. It's good to see a, a Canadian guy getting in there and getting a good win. I thought it was a little bit of an early stoppage, but pretty, pretty good fight. And then uh, we had the rest filling out the main card. We had the Andre Feeley fight. And then can you pull that up on the, the main there for me, Jake? Okay. Oh, yeah, that, that's the guy. That's the guy. Go up a little bit. The Okay, so yeah, So mark my words on this. These two guys are going to be contenders pretty soon in the Bantamweight division. You have the Dagestani. And a fucking another one, dude. I'm going to do a video, I think. <laughs> Jake,
1: you've just got to to think your concept through a little bit more. I know, I
0: know. Jake and I... (laughs) Because I want to do a video talking about, like, the Dagestani, Muslim, Middle Eastern fighters. Because a lot of our audience are those guys. All of my best videos in this entire podcast have been videos about Muslim fighters. So I was like, okay, let me do a video talking about that. But I don't know how to do it and not be racist. (laughs) So I'm not sure how to label it. I'm not sure how... but. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll figure it out. But, but pull that up for me again. So this guy looks amazing. Uh, Timur Villejev. He looked really, really good. And the guy that he fought, uh, Heone Barcelos. Man, these two guys look good. This fight was razor close. Their technique is absolutely on point. Uh, Timor trains with uh, Frankie Edgar yeah. in, uh, in Toms, New Jersey. And uh, with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ricardo Almeida and th- that whole team out there. This guy looks really good. Both of them, those are going to be contenders in that Bantamweight division. Guarantee it. And uh, if you are a Middle Eastern fighter fan, if you're a Muslim fighter fan, you got another one. You got another uh, top Dagestani fighter. I mean, dude, between Khabib and uh, Muslim and... You got the, the King Kung Fu, you got this guy, you got Askar Askarov who went to a draw with Brandon Moreno in the flyweight division. I mean, dude, these, these Dagestani fighters are just absolutely special. They are ridiculous. There's so many, and I think if you go through every division in the UFC, there's at least one or two like Dagestani, Middle Eastern, Russian fighters in the top 10 or top 15. It's crazy. It's crazy. That part of the world is just blow. That shit's gonna be like the NBA. In the Middle East pretty soon. Like if you're yeah. from that region, if you're from the the Middle East, if you're from Dagestan, man. That that is gonna be like the NBA of that part of the world. And it's it's really, really great to see because he got another one. This guy's fantastic. And then uh rounding out that card, who who else we got here? Was that the, was that it for the main card? What's the welterweight fight? Just a little bit below. Uh,
1: Tim Means. Tim Means,
0: another guy, and Moicano, they both look good. Tim Means looked really good. He's thirty-eight years old. He's got he's just Salty veteran. He's been in the game for a long time. I think they say he's got 22. He's the 50th fighter ever to log like four hours of fight time in the game. Yeah. I don't know if it's four hours. Whatever it is. Some ridiculous number. 37 years old. 20-something fights in the UFC. Still doing the damn thing. Still look good. His striking is nasty. And this barely even scratches the surface for the fights that we've had today. We're just touching. Just touching. Still got the... You had uh, Bellator. You had... Or sorry, the PFL. You had Kayla Harrison who totally looks like she's probably outside of Amanda Nunez, the best female fighter in the world, fighting for the PFL. She's definitely UFC ready. Anthony Pettis lost another heart stopper. If you're an Anthony Pettis fan, it's been a rough go over there in PFL. He's 0-2. Lost another one, a split decision. Another fight where he looked good and he hurt the guy, but just can't, yeah, can't quite get over the hump. You know, It seems like he's probably about ready to, uh, to retire, I'd say. And then you had all the bare knuckle stuff. I mean, there's just tons and tons of fights. Wasn't there? Was also a Bellator card, right? Rory McDonald got robbed against Gleison Tibau. I don't know if you, dude. There's too many fights to even. Wait,
1: was that Bellator? Was that I thought he left Bellator? Was that PFL? Maybe that was yeah. PFL. Yeah, I think can, was. can
0: you check for me because I think there was a Bellator card also uh, over the last week or something like that. that. Dude, there's been fights every day. And then I think there's also a few more fights coming up. Lomachenko fought today. He looked really amazing. He fought a, a Japanese guy who uh, was really good, who was undefeated other than a decision loss to Timofio Lo, uh, Lopez, who beat Lomachenko in his last fight. It looks like they're going to do another rematch, maybe, at the end of the year, and that's going to be a pound-for-pound pound top debate because that first fight that, that uh, Lopez had with Lomachenko was super close. Boxing is good. Man, have you ever seen Lomachenko fight? Yeah, I know yeah, you're yeah. not a sup- as big a boxing fan as you are, like an MMA fan, but... Man, I've never seen anybody with angles and pivots as good as, as good as Lomachenko. If you're a boxer and you're not watching Lomachenko, everybody's got their own style. Like Canelo's got slick head movement, brutal combination tacks, really, really fast twitch, but defense is solid, head movement's amazing. But man, Lomachenko's ability to pivot and land strikes off of finding dominant angles from a pivot is just absolutely incredible. He switches his stance, hard body attacks. So he won, he knocked out. Uh, this Japanese, this Japanese fighter—I can't remember his name—but knocked him out. Looked really, really good, and just, just tons of fights. You, you get anything on this Bellator? I'm thing? trying to
1: find Bellator's site. Apparently, they don't have one.
0: Really? They must.
1: Oh, yeah, no, they can't find
0: it. But whatever, man. There's just, there's just too many fights for us to even cover in
1: this brief little podcast. Let's. Uh, Wait. Uh, while we're doing fights, sure. did you see the wacky ass finish in the BJJ today with um, Hulk? No, I didn't
0: see it. Oh, What was it? Uh, was it one of those submission underground things?
1: Um, let me make sure.
0: Can you pull it up for me? With Barboza, right? The Hulk? Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Basically, he won a fight that he was choked unconscious in.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, show me. Uh, show me. That's just too much to keep up. I literally spent four hours watching fights today. And still, I can't keep up with everything. If you're a fight fan, it's a good time to be a fight fan. But also... Good luck keeping up with that. If you want to keep up with one, if you want to keep up with Bellator, PFL, the UFC, if you want to keep up with boxing and jiu-jitsu and all the combats, bare knuckle. Also, have you seen this uh, Jorge Masvidal's new promotion? No. It's bare knuckle MMA. It's called Game Bread Fight fight Championship or or something like that. It's actually quite interesting. Um, What's the guy's name? Hick Diaz. Uh, Jason Knight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you yeah, ever heard of yeah, Hick yeah, D.S.? Yeah, yeah. He's awesome. I love this guy. He, uh, he fought Charles Bennett. Remember Charles the Felon? Charles yes. That's his yeah, yeah Crazy Charles Horse. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy Horse. And he, uh, he, but it was really fascinating. And Here's why I think Bare Knuckle MMA is fascinating. Because this is new. There's no other Bare Knuckle MMA association. I think it's interesting for the jiu-jitsu people. Also, also the Bare Knuckle boxing fans, all that stuff. Because when you grapple with no gloves on it's a game changer. So I'm really quite curious to see how that changes the game when you're moving forward, because for anybody here that's, that's either fought MMA or has trained MMA in MMA gloves and tried to do Jiu Jitsu like you would in your normal gym, it's extremely different. I mean, of course you can still punch on the ground and a lot of stuff, but the, the fatness of the gloves makes it so hard to both pull out of stuff, sometimes set stuff up. If a guy gets a grip on your thumb when you're going for a choke with that fat fucking glove, it's almost impossible to get it out. And so it's quite interesting watching MMA when they're bare-knuckle because a lot of those, it reminded me of those old uh, King of Pancrase. Yeah. Like with Boss Root and Frank Shamrock because they would just do those open-hand slaps. But in this one, you can still punch, you can still do everything, and I really think it might be interesting for the submission grapplers in the future to be able to have a fight where they go in and it's completely bare-knuckle. going to be a game-changer when you're slapping on chokes and trying to defend submissions and, and all that kind of stuff. But Jason Knight ended up winning that fight, and I'm curious to see how... Uh, Jorge promotion does in the future?
1: But, uh, yeah, yeah, be uh, like he completely changed it, like you say, because the glove limits your uh, what's the word, like the range of motion in your hand as well. So you're gonna be able to do way more stuff.
0: Yeah, like, I mean it's so easy. It's so much easier to defend chokes when you can get that fat fat glove. Yeah, when you could normally just slip it in nice and quick if you're training bare hand in the gym. That's why all of the really the best. MMA fighters train their jiu-jitsu with MMA gloves on because it's such a game changer. It, it's like, it changes so much. And then, of course, all the strikes and everything else changes. But So I thought that, and that was also on this past week. I mean, there were literally so eight different fight cards from like however many different promotions on. I don't even know if one was on. I don't know when the last one was.
1: They've, um, they had cards set up and all that, but they had to stop them because they were all supposed to happen here. Yeah. So I don't know where they're going.
0: So uh, what do we got? You say you, do were, you were gonna say you'd see this? Um, yeah, let's let's see what we got here.
1: So this is um the f- so it gone into overtime. So like I think it was the equivalent, you know, like in the EBI where you get if it goes to a draw, then you've got overtime. Mm. I think I'm right in saying that. Yeah. And then uh, this happened.
0: All right. Let's see. So it looks like he's got him in a rear naked choke here. Who, who's he fighting? Can you read out the the names there?
1: Um yeah. Give me one sec, I'll have to bring it out. So he's out, you can see.
0: So it's Hulk, it's Barbosa, and?
1: I'll have to he's going. Oh, there.
0: that was a delayed, that was a delayed unconsciousness. Is, wow, look at that. Okay, so who do, who do we got here? Is there, I'm there... sorry,
1: but then Hulk gets it on the win. Hulk gets it. The Wait, victim. what? Wait, yeah. so,
0: so what happened here? Sorry. So who's fighting? We got Hulk and we got, is there another name in
1: there? sort of cameras out
0: i'm curious who lucas hulk barboza right so if you're listening to this podcast it seemed like was was barboza the one in the choke just now yeah so it seemed like the guy had him in a rear naked choke and he was still kind of moving and then they got separated and then he went out i mean i I don't exactly know what i was Uh,
1: patrick uh, gaudio Gaudio, Gaudio,
0: patrick gaudio okay versus uh Versus yeah. Hulk Barbosa. Okay, so you saw this. Is that is that pretty much what happened? Describe what we no, saw there. so
1: I obviously saw it on Gordon Ryan's uh, <laughs> Instagram feed. Because talking he was shit-talking shit. it Gordon straight talking away. Yeah. So then I looked at it, um, but I only saw the ending. But it, I think it went into overtime, and then basically in the overtime, he was choked unconscious, but it was right at the end of the overtime. The ref didn't see it, and then... They gave him the victory on points and they didn't count the submission. Oh, okay.
0: So the time expired when he was like pr- pretty much out. He was like, it looked like, can you can you pull it up again? It looked like that video you had earlier. It looked like he was about, you know, when you get, for any of the people listening to this, I'm sure if you train Jiu-Jitsu, you've been in that situation where, and you learn this <laughs> as you train more and more and more that like I never tap to a choke unless I'm getting the tunnel vision, yep. right? Because I know that once I start getting that tunnel vision, it's a little bit of a delayed reaction, right? Tunnel vision means I'm like one or two seconds from going out. So I don't tap unless I get that because yep. then I know I'm fucked, right? If I, if I feel that tunnel vision, then I know I'm and screwed.
1: There is nothing worse than actually going out and then you wake up and everybody's looking at and you and you're just and just like, like uh, what? And you're like,
0: ooh. <laughs> Did you guys see that? What is it worse than I thought? What what because I was just napping. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So it looked like that's what happened, right? Because if if you get if you tap. I've done this before actually. I've tapped before when I've gotten the tunnel vision, and then, like, once I'm released, I'm like, li- you still go a little deeper for a second or two. Yeah. Right? Like, the vision starts to close in, and then right when they release, it still closes in for another second or two, and then the world starts to open back up, and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> you know, what was that? So it seemed like that's happened. Let's see so
1: what if what I'll, I'll read the description. So, what it says is okay, sure. head on points, Lucas Hulker Barbosa got put to sleep. Right at the end of the match with Mateus Dins, but did the ref call time late? Oh, it was Mateus Dins, the Marcel. Yeah, that's guy. what you're saying. Oh, man. okay, okay. Um, yeah, but did the ref call time late, and did Dins hold on to the choke longer than he should have? Is what they're basically saying on there. So then this is what happens. So this is right at the end of uh, the match, basically.
0: All right, we'll see this thing again. Cause yeah, can you make it big? Is it possible? Yeah, there you go. I mean, he doesn't even have the left hook in. He's only got one hook in.
1: But he's pointing, like, he's pointing, he's out. Is he's there out. a time, is there a time on no, the time No, I can't see stand? the time. That's the
0: annoying bit. Oh, he's out. He's out for sure. Look at him. Oh, he's out. <laughs> oh, he's out, man. And so they gave him the win. Yeah, look, and then
1: they gave him.
0: So they gave Barboza the win, even though he was out at the end of that regulation. Yep. That's weird. That's weird. What did did Gordon say? then
1: Gordon says. What did Gordon say? Wait, did Hulk just get strangled completely unconscious, then somehow win? Then flex and beat his chest after knowing he just got strangled unconscious. (laughs) WTF, did I just watch? Fair point. Fair (laughs) point. But it's kind of weird,
0: right? Because if if you're in the UFC, that's a technical submission. If If you choke somebody, right? If I'm choking you and the time expires and I release you and you're unconscious, that's a win.
1: Yeah. It's a weird one
0: that I, I did not see that man there's just a lot of stuff to keep up with a lot of stuff to keep up with this week plus for uh, everybody back in singapore they all know that people are back to training again people are trying to get back into the grind and if everybody here has been sat around for six weeks i don't know you were you seem like you were pretty busy still you got family and kids were you still exercising over the last six weeks
1: uh yeah i had to otherwise i go insane but there's only so much you can do as well. Like you get so bored of doing kettlebells after a while. you like, oh God, what else going to do anything but this? Yeah. So, uh, the kettlebells were all right. Went skateboarding a lot. We've got a trampoline in our back garden. So that counts as cardio. Just bounce on that for an hour with the kids and you are knackered. Uh, and then I tell you what my dumbass did try. I got so sick of doing kettlebells, I couldn't take it anymore, and lifting weights. So I saw a video about how you should crawl, and it's really, really good for your strength and conditioning. Like bear crawls? Yeah, bear crawls. And it said do it for five minutes. Now you can easily bear crawl for five minutes. It's not a problem. But the next day, I was in so much pain in my shoulders. Oh yeah. That I do not recommend that at all whatsoever.
0: Well, that's one of the ones I feel from the, the boxing too, because boxing is so shoulder heavy, just keeping your hands up over and over again that after I hit the mitts for the first time in a month and a half today, I was just like, or two days ago, I was like, oh no, dude, everything. And you know, it leads up to your traps, it leads up to your neck, triceps are sore, and your lats also you get it, because those punching muscles when you turn over your punch are all coming from the, the back and the lat. I mean, I felt all the soreness from, in places that I haven't felt it in a long time, just this week. And then I realized something, I realized how difficult it is if you're a person that doesn't train, or if you're a person that's taking a long break, how difficult how much more difficult it is to come back than it is to maintain. Mm. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to know that. Like everybody kind of knows that, like, oh yeah, we're yeah.
1: yeah, everyone's surprised by it.
0: But if you're, you know, maybe at least in my uh, example, I'm I'm usually training year round to some degree, you know, less than others and more than, than others maybe, but I'm doing something pretty much year round. So I don't have those long experiences extended breaks, especially when I'm working six days a week in a gym. Yeah. Like I'm just always doing something. And then afterward I'm like, oh man, this is an uphill slog. Just getting the body used to the training again, doing everything, prioritizing the time. Like the other thing is my sleep was fucked up again for the whole week because I went, I was like going to bed at a normal time and doing my normal thing. And then back to work again, I'm training until nine thirty, and then I'm home at 11 eating dinner at 11 1130 and then i'm just like plus i just trained so i'm like wired i'm like up till two o'clock in the morning thinking about the moves that i screwed up and how sore i am and running through the training sessions in my you know how you do that yeah, stuff yeah. right when you haven't done it in a while and then i saw so the sleep was rough and then the body was aching and i was like oh maybe i'm just being a bitch dude Someone else was having this conversation with me. I'd be like, quit being a pussy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Just suck it up. Get on with it. Don't worry about it. No, no, but everything's really sore and it hurts. Yeah.
0: It's just... It's nice. It's nice. I haven't felt this in a while. I'll tell you what was nice. The six weeks off. Yeah. Because I realized after having so much time off, I actually was maybe going a little bit too hard and for too long and was kind of burning the candle at both ends because after six weeks I was like, you know what? Didn't even really miss it that much. It was kind of nice to have that time off. Maybe I need to... It's been a grind for two years since we opened up Stronghold, so maybe you need to actually dial it back just a little bit. and You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's important. Um, you don't realize when you're in the middle of it, like when you've got stuff going on and you're in the thick of it and you're going through it, it's not until you actually stop that you realize, oh, oh yeah, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm absolutely worn out. I need a break.
0: Yeah, and, and- I'm, not, I'm not the only one I've heard say that. I've heard a few people tell me that. I mean, I'm in, the, I'm in a group with a bunch of savages, right? Like all the people that train with me, my friend, like Ron, Steven, a bunch of professional fighters, major guys that own gyms in Singapore. I've heard this multiple times. Because, yeah, when you're in that loop of training and doing this constantly and you're just in that grind, you don't really see it. But when you can separate and you see it from a fresh lens of perspective, when you're locked and forced to be inside, you're kind of like, man, maybe need a little bit of that work-life balance. Yep. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's... That's a very useful thing to have in life. I definitely find that it's uh, important, especially like as you get older, like I've got kids as well and stuff like that. And you know, I'm a, I am ai don't do the same thing as you, but I do teach and it's tiring, like dealing with those people all the time and stuff like that. And then it stops and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, actually this is, this is what normalcy is like. And I don't have to deal with like 50 people a day, just a few. Well,
0: I feel like the if the, the pandemic is tight, people anything, if there's, if there's wisdom to be gleaned from it, which of course there is, it would be that it does offer you a little bit of perspective about this sort of loop that you're in in your normal day-to-day grind. And so when you're forced, when you can't travel, when you're forced to be inside all the time and you have to really, really modify your lifestyle, you have to stay inside more, you don't have all the freedoms that you would typically have, it does kind of make you reevaluate things a little bit from a perspective that you would never, I mean, I've never had six weeks off Yeah. In my entire, since I started working, my entire adult life, I've never had, who has six weeks off?
1: I mean, me, but... Teachers. (laughs)
0: Teachers are the only bastards that actually manage to get that time off. Okay, so that's not true, because when I was a teacher, I did sometimes have six weeks off. Okay, so I'll I'll amend my statement, because I have had that periodically, but most humans do not have the luxury of having, you know, you get your two, three-week holiday, whatever it is that each person has, and it does does help you think and it does help you reevaluate sometimes. I also learned some other things. One, if I'm not working, and this is the sort of double edged sword of all this, if I'm not working, I'm useless. I literally just sat around. I can't get like independently motivated when I'm not in the routine. When I'm in the routine I stay clean, like I'm not drinking as much, I'm not screwing around as much, I'm not doing other stuff as much. But then once I'm working again, then it just, I felt right back into the groove and all of a sudden I'm working way more and I'm motivated. And so, you know, I guess everybody, I, but conversely, Stephen laying down, he was sober the whole lockdown the guy drinks like a fish. But then he was like, oh, we're locked inside. I'm going to get sober. I'm like, I went the other way, dude. I went <laughs> that, completely the other way. That is the not other the way, way to go. Like, I know. For sure. I know. I was like, how are you more motivated when you're forced to be inside than when you're like working and you're in the gr-? But he just stopped drinking. I was like, man, that's amazing. That's super impressive.
1: There is a lot to be said for getting up and having something to do every day. Like going to work and having a job. It does stop you from like falling into your vices of being like, oh, well, be it. I'm gonna drink a lot of beer tonight, be it, oh, I'm gonna binge watch this series. Speaking of. 2 a.m. <clears throat> <laughs> no, it's Sunday, Sundays don't count, it's fine. But like, it does stop you from um, going into those vices, like playing video games till all hours. If you <laughs> That's
0: exactly what I did the whole fucking <laughs> quarantine, the whole second one. I played the Mass Effect trilogy the whole time. I beat one, two, and three. It also beat Resident Evil 2. I've just been playing PS5 basically the whole six weeks that we were off. I regret zero seconds of it. (laughs) I regret nothing, dude. Nothing.
1: So I've made a fatal error on Friday. Uh, They just launched the remastered version of Tony Hawk 1 and 2 on the Switch. Oh, yeah. Well, I was probably clinically addicted to that game when I was at university. There used to be like tournaments and stuff like that. I I remember when that
0: game was... fire in like the oh. early 2000s Yep. tony hawk's pro skater 2 on the ps2 i think
1: so I, i've yeah i've got some great memories in life i got married like the kids and stuff like that one of my fondest memories that i can recall quite easily is i won a tony hawk pro 2 tournament at university i won't I ask remember it to i won't day. ask you to
0: rank uh which is the most significant moment of your life the birth <laughs> of your child your marriage or winning a tony hawk pro skater 2 tournament i'll s- <laughs> I'll spare you and your, your family that <laughs> that ranking.
1: And it's one of those bizarre memories absolutely ingrained. Like, I remember it very, very clearly. It's such a strange thing. But it's because it, like... I, you know how you can stack combos on it and stuff yeah. like that? So basically, I got all the way to the final and then I, did, I had a shock in the final and I was losing by a lot of points. And then the time hit zero and I started stacking a combo and... It just did not stop, did not stop. And then the score starts multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. I came out of the combo and landed it. The score flashed up. And I was—I was, I was like, there was no way I could win. But I did because I stacked up a massive Best moment combo. of your oh. life. You were like, <laughs> yeah! No, but not just me. It was so bizarre. Like, it was just impossible, basically. And obviously, the people watching the tournament weren't exactly like... The happiest people on the face of the planet, and everyone just erupted and went crazy. It was bizarre. What do you
0: think uh, has? And you know, when I actually started this podcast, I, I I kind of envisioned it being like partly video game related because I'm a huge gamer. Outside of martial arts training, gaming is like my second favorite hobby. I mean, martial arts training is now my job. So I should...
1: yeah. So actually, <laughs> it still seems weird. Your hobby.
0: It still seems weird to me that it's my job. To be honest, it still feels kind of like it did when it wasn't my job, but. I guess technically it is. So maybe now it's my favorite hobby because <laughs> martial arts is now my job. But yeah, I always thought it would kind of be like that. Cause I, and I wonder what the pandemic has done to the video game industry. I mean, it must just be all time high people sitting, like, even as I'm scrolling through my Instagram, doing all that, people are all sharing gaming videos and people in uh, YouTube. I have a lot of, excuse me, gaming channels that I follow I just bet that that industry has skyrocketed over the last year.
1: Yeah, and the worst bit is we're too old to actually know what's going on after time. Like, have you seen the clips of the dudes doing like um, Breath of the Wild? I saw somebody's smart spe- combo.
0: I saw somebody speed run Breath of the Wild in twenty one minutes.
1: Yeah, twenty one minutes.
0: That means they went from the very beginning of the game to beat it in twenty one minutes. That's ridiculous. It's like the world record speed run. I just watched this video like two days ago. The combos that they're doing, you beat Breath of the Wild, right? Yeah. I mean, they're doing those uh, stasis bounces and shit where they they jump on the rock and it launches them halfway across the fucking map and perfect accuracy to land in like this tiny window to pick up. And I'm just like, oh, like to get that good must take. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours.
1: That people had free in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what they they spent their time coming up with mad moves on like Breath of the Wild and all these other games. And now we go down the rabbit hole of watching the video of this.
0: I watched a video of, uh, if you played the Pokemon games, you must've, yeah. some of them. I watched somebody do a Nuzlocke, a Pokemon Nuzlocke. Do you know what that is? You never heard of a Nuzlocke? No, what's that? <laughs> Oh, man, Nuzlocke's are great. The next Pokemon game that comes out, I'm going to do my first one. Maybe I'll fucking live stream it. Who knows? But so a Nuzlocke, it's fucking hilarious, right? A Nuzlocke is a way that you play... Because, you know, they're usually pretty easy. They're made for kids. Like, yep. you can beat a Pokemon game and never die. Right? Because, you know, you just know the type differences and all that kind of shit. So basically, the rules for a Nuzlocke are... You can only catch the first Pokemon that's in any region that you're in, Yeah. right? You have to give it a name so that you're emotionally attached to it, right? <laughs> this is the critical one. You've got to give it a nickname so that way you have emotional attachment to it. And then it's permadeath. So if any of them die, they're d- they're Done. gone. And the fact that they make you name it so that way you have this personal attachment to it is ridiculous. And so that alone is hard enough, right? Because then anytime one dies you have to go through the whole process of catching another one and you can only get one yeah and then you've got to level it up because Jesus. every gym that you go to is going to be a level spike and if any one of them die you've got to get a new one and get them all the way up yep. there and then not only was it that but it was with only shiny pokemon and a shiny is like one in eight thousand something chance yeah so do you know how they get the shiny pokemon they reset the console every single time they don't get one so if there's a random encounter and they will sit there they'll do a thousand resets until the Pokemon they get up is shiny and their whole team was shiny and it was a nuzlocke I mean the the amount of hours that somebody <laughs> spends doing this just absolutely blows my mind and I'm not gonna go that that crazy no but I, I kind of like the idea of doing a nuzlocke because I just feel like all the most recent ones are way too easy yeah, but I got- watched somebody do this, and I'm just like, that is just the amount of dedication. I mean, I think the, the one that I'm talking about, there were 20,000 resets. Jesus. He would do like 20-hour streams in a row. Like, you know, you know how you pick the first Pokemon at the very beginning? Yeah. Like, let's say you pick Bulbasaur. Yep. Okay there's a one in 9,000 chance that one of those Bulbasaur is going to be shiny. So you're like, hello, (laughs) Professor Oak, click. Nope, not it. Reset. Nope, not it. Reset. Nope, not it. Reset. And then one of the times, he got the shiny Pokemon, but you get so into the routine of resetting that he fucking missed it. (laughs) He missed it completely. So he's in the routine of like, oh, missed it. Reset. Oh, missed it. Reset. Oh, missed." And he's talking on the chat, and the shiny one pops up, and he resets. Everybody in the chat's like, no! And it was like... This is how nerdy I am. It was like one of the most dramatic things I've ever seen in my life. I was literally sitting there like, no, I can't believe he missed it. And then he's got to spend another 16 hours resetting. To I mean, it's just absolutely mental. If these people applied that level of, so, <laughs> of like, tenacity to other things in their life.
1: like I often think that way about my time at university though because as we've established, I played so much Tony Hawk, I could pull off like... 10,000 move combos in it if I needed to. What's,
0: is that the game you've played the most of any other game? Is, is Tony Hawk? If you um, had to pick, what, what do you put the most hours in?
1: Either Tony Hawk, Pro Evolution Soccer, or uh, any of the Metal Gear games Ooh, would be yeah. me. For sure. Like Met- those. Oh, until recently, and then Zelda as well, Breath of the Wild. I, I, I think I spent at least. Five months on that before I completed it. Attaboy. boy. Because I just didn't want to. Atta I was just boy. like, oh, let's explore I know. some more.
0: I know. I've learned something about myself gaming over the, the, few, the last few years. And the first thing I learned is that like when I beat a game, I'm just done. Yeah. I can't go back. So I've got to do all the side shit. I've got to do every single side quest. Because once that shit's done, I just can't get motivated to go back in. So I take all the time. and I do. All... In the Mass Effect trilogy, I think I beat, at least in the second and the third one, I beat every single side quest. Have you played those? No. Because your character's perma die. Like if you're not prepared, if you don't do like the companion quests and you don't do certain stuff, they die. And then like, so it's through a trilogy. So you can have a character that dies in game one that doesn't exist in game three, or that character can live all the way through. And then you have all their dialogue trees and all that stuff. So I did every single side quest and I was just like, but you know what's crazy? All those YouTube videos of people doing, they get millions of views. Yeah. Like they've literally turned this into a a total industry where you can make money putting up these videos for your gaming feeds.
1: If someone pulled, if like some dodgy guy pulled up to my kids in like a van that looked really, really seedy and said like, do do you want to come in the back of this van and watch some Minecraft videos? My kids would be like, oh yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's not good. (laughs) Not good at all, but that's like how they're into like Minecraft videos. And then you look at the views the Minecraft videos have got. It's just some dude walking, like I don't understand Minecraft, I've got no interest in it. Just some dude walking around going like, oh, I'm digging for diamonds.
0: If, you, if your kids grew up and they were like, cause inevitably they're gonna be addicted to YouTube and that game, like, especially Joe, I, boys, right? Yep. These young boys, they, if I'm on the train or I'm doing whatever, they're always looking at video game things, Fortnite, and whatever, Minecraft, all that shit, right? If you're the, they were like, okay, I wanna do this as a career, if you could actually teach them to put the work into it, like you yeah. could straight up make money doing this now. Yeah. You could straight up make this a career, like a professional, whether you're streaming, whether you're like one of those Dota people who plays competitively, Call of Duty, whatever the hell it is. Like, what, what would you say? Would you be like, w- would you be one of those old school people who's like, this is not a real career? No, or would you be like, I'd be you better do this. Well like-
1: into it. I'd be like, you're doing this properly. We are getting you a gaming rig. You're going to put the hours in. Because the, like, there's teams and stuff like that, professional teams. And you look and they're like sports teams. They don't just sit about playing video games all day. Obviously they do a lot of that, but like they do like team building exercises. They keep in shape and things like that. So I'd be like, yeah, go for it.
0: And at a certain point it's work, Yeah. right? Like let, let's say you're like a, a Smash Brothers team, right? You're a, sma- or not team, cause it's a single player. I mean, you can't do teams, but let's say you're like a Smash Bros professional. Yeah. Once you get to the point where you're at that level it's not fun anymore, right? Like, that's a job. Yeah. Like, to be that good, like, it, at that point, it's really, really a job. So, you, I kind of feel like it's the same. If you can dedicate whatever a, a normal person works, let's say you're a normal person that works eight hours a day. When you get your lunch and you need do all that shit. If you're willing to play a video game for six, seven, eight hours a day, that's a job. Yep. Like, you, you lose the. A certain, like, even me with jujitsu, I love jujitsu. It's all I think about. Martial arts, more specifically, right? But at a certain point when you put 10,000 hours in, it's not like it was when you first started it. Like you go, you still have, even though you love it, you still have those days where you're like, oh, I gotta go do this thing. And then you, you know, you do it. And other days it's more easy. And other days it's a bit of a grind. And
1: I I told the story on the podcast, on another podcast that got pulled down when Ron and Steven. (laughs) The reason I got into martial arts was because music was my hobby. And then music was what I did to relax. And then music became my job. And suddenly this thing that I loved, and I used to do all the time, like if I was in a bad mood, I'd do some music or something like that. That suddenly my hobby became a full-time job and doing music was no longer any fun for me at all whatsoever. It was just work and stress and hassle. So I needed something else to do. And that's why I got into like martial arts because I needed a hobby that I could enjoy that wasn't my job.
0: Yeah, it is like that. Yeah. It does get like that. So <clears throat> at a certain point, I feel like you just have to respect the grind. I mean, really nowadays, like your kids can do whatever they want. If they just put the actual work into it, if they treat it like a job and they do what people that have a job do, which is that like, no matter what you allocate this amount of time to whatever that is you're going to do, man, the the opportunities compared to like when we were kids for all of this stuff, like you imagine telling your parents when you're like 18 years old, I want to be a professional Tony Hawk player.
1: They'd I'm be really, like,
0: really good at it. They'd be like, get the fuck out of here. This is not how I raised you. You'd be like a massive disappointment.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, Like university, video games, you know, you'd, you'd gone beyond your 2D platform, Super Mario Brothers. And you did have things like Quake and you could play like, link all the computers together. There were a
0: few things that you could do.
1: Yeah. But like the universities and stuff like that, like the bar would hold a tournament every now and again. And like, You know, it'd be two-player split-screen and stuff like that. But the idea that you could do that and make money and make a living out of it, then was just non-existent. Like, you may be... I think for the Tony Hawk's contest, I think I won, like, three pints or something like that. It's like, yes!
0: But then now you see these Fortnite players, like Ninja, of course, PewDiePie, some of these guys, they make as much as professional athletes.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. Millions and millions
0: of dollars a year. I mean... That, that shit that you can't do that stuff professionally is just gone. Like now you can pretty much do what if you're the best, you know, it's one of those things that I, I, I heard when I was young, of course, when I was young, growing up as a small town hillbilly in the middle of fucking nowhere, (laughs) things were a little bit different. But nowadays it's those things, it really is that no matter what industry you're in or whatever hobby you like or whatever thing you want to make a, a career, if you are good enough, eventually you will be undeniable. Yeah. And you'll find a way to make money. If you're the best, it can be the most obscure thing ever. If you are the best at that, you will be undeniable. And then you, you, you can find a way to leverage that into some money. So, moral of the story, kids, play video games. <laughs> play video games, have fun, especially if you're locked down. Maybe I should, maybe I should become a professional gamer. No, I can't. I can't. I can't. It, it would kill the thing Imagine, I love.
1: You'd have to go to the gym all day, like train everyone. And stuff the like, that. Cause can't. you can't, you can't just quit your job. I know. You've got to keep your job. I know. Then come home and put another eight hours into playing Fortnite. I can't.
0: Like, oh. I can't dude. I can't.
1: When, um, when Fortnite. I'm not came. that
0: competitive when it comes to video games. Like I'll be, get competitive as shit when it comes to simulating murder and strangling somebody who's also trying to strangle me. But if it's like if somebody fucking spams some shitty move in a video game that I'm playing and I get really annoyed, I'll rage quit. I'll just be like, nope, I'm done. Yeah, I, right, I can't. Please. I can't be like, okay, let me just jump back in here.
1: <laughs> when um, Fortnite came out and you know everyone was raging about it and stuff like that. Uh, my brother got it. I said to my brother like, oh, like is it really good? Should I get it? And he just said to me, whatever you do, do not get it. I said, like, why not? It, it looks really good fun. He's like, no, it's you'll you'll get addicted to it, Jake. You'll never be off it, and it'll wreck your life. So I was like. I'm fan of.
0: Here's the problem that I have with, with the really, really popular games, like the real, like Call of Duty, Fortnite. Uh, it just gets to the point where like, you get those kids that are so good, those like 13, 14 year old kids that it's gotten better over the years. They figured out ways to create the matchmaking lobbies. So they're a little bit more skill relevant so that you're not getting smashed. But like five years ago, eight years ago when I first started online gaming, dude, as soon as I drop in the world, I'm getting headshot yep. immediately, like no matter over and over. And I'm just like, I can't get over the wall. Yeah. I felt like I was a jujitsu white belt who just walked into the most bully gym of all time. And I'm getting strangled like 60 times. Like no one's easing me into it. No one's like here, let me help you out. Let me be your friend. It's like spawn death, spawn people fucking camp. Like this was like halo two. Remember Halo 2? Yeah. Like, just spawn. death, People camping on spawn sites and snipers up in the thing where they know people are going to... And I'm just like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. Which is why I've never got into, like, multiplayer gaming. Because the threshold to get over the point where you're actually, like, moderately successful... It literally is exactly like martial arts training. If you go to a healthy gym, you can they can, like, slowly ease you in and you can have some progress. But if you go into one of those places that's hyper-competitive, you're just... Fucking dead, boom, dead, dead, dead. Strangle blah. over and over and over again.
1: I'm not learning anything. Yeah, man. and you're
0: like, is this what I need in my life? I don't feel like this is
1: harmful to my mental health. Not, <laughs> not beneficial. Yeah, I think it was Battlefield like two or something like that. And uh, yeah, the first time I ever went online on that, I was literally not even ten seconds, and then oh, I'm dead again. Yeah, oh, dead. I'm dead again. Dead. I'm dead. I mean, oh, yeah, no fun. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Sounds brilliant. really <laughs> I love this game. All right, man. Anyway. <laughs> so basically, there's been too many fights for us to watch. So good MMA in by us. So we just
0: game. You know, we just talk about gaming. All right. Well, let's. I'll tell you what. Let's hit up the card next week because the next two weeks, we got some big ones, dude. We got some big ones coming up. We'll get this thing back on track to martial arts. If you're in listening to this podcast for the martial arts, I'm sorry that it devolved into the gaming, but I love gaming. So uh, give us a comment. You want more gaming content or you want less? You want me to shut the fuck up about gaming or you enjoy it? Let I'll, us know. I'll
1: talk about Tony Hawk's for hours. So Dude, no one likes white. Tony Hawk, man.
0: Come on, nah, I'm just kidding. And I don't know. Is I don't really see skating as as big here in Singapore as it is like in the West, like in America or in Europe. I don't know what the what the scene is like here. I'm sure there's some, but like it, it especially i think that's what made it so big in the time that we were growing up is it's a little bit like the ufc in that time it was still a little underground no. so there was a, a side scene that was hip and cool and a little bit taboo like in the late 90s early 2000s a little bit like mma and then now all of a sudden it's it's totally mainstream and this this know. is
1: going to be a weird concept for people as well to get into but the music on the game mm. was what sold it because In the olden days, as it were, when you couldn't just go on iTunes and download the music, music was hard to get hold of. You had to physically go to a shop. And in the UK particularly, like, they didn't always have underground records by bands like Black Flag and uh, bands by the Dead Kennedys. And the Tony Hawks had those songs on it. So me and my mates used to put the game on in the background just to let the songs play through because it was the only way we could hear those songs which is crazy when you think about it. I
0: mean, I still listen to video game soundtracks today. I have like a bunch of them saved on my Spotify. I'll put them on our training. I have like a, a Mass Effect one. I have like a one from the Witcher, that you by the Witcher. Yeah, I'll put that shit on in the middle of like rolling and stuff. Cause it's just good fun. But you would be able to get, like, the Tony Hawk soundtrack, which would have all of those different... It was like a compilation of, of different types of, of music.
1: Amazing skate punk.
0: I know, exactly. So you would be able to get, like, this compilation of whoever the music director was of, like, these various songs that they thought represented the, the ethos of skating. And so you would get this, like, punk rock, and you would get all this other stuff. And, man, also, low-key video game soundtracks are some of the best music in the world. Man, if you, if you play, like... It's so funny, man, because, okay, what, I mean, I've pretty much given away the answer already, but what do you <laughs> think is the number one usage of orchestral music nowadays?
1: It's fi- uh, is it <laughs> video games? It's,
0: it's film and video games, right? Yeah. How yeah. many orchestra concerts are people going to for fun? They're not. But if you go, if you listen to these video games, they will literally cr- cr- get these orchestras and produce this music. So if you're playing something like, especially like the JRPGs, like the Japanese games, they create, they, they hire these orchestras and they write this music. And if you're playing like final fantasy seven, like the remake or you're playing the witcher or you're playing like mass effect, they've got these whole scores that are just absolutely incredible. And nobody thinks about like, Oh, let me listen to some orchestra music today. But I really feel like that in the modern context, if you want to listen to like big band music, orchestral music, it's totally dominated by the video game industry.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, um, they had a concert on air recently. Not no. recently, pre-COVID time, so two years ago, where uh, they were playing like an orchestra game and played, I think it might be Final Fantasy, but I could be wrong. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. But, th-
0: but think about some of the most iconic orchestral music over the last 10 years, right? You probably have like Pirates of the Caribbean, you know what I mean you probably have like a, what's another you know all, all of the major video game ones oh Game of Thrones oh, right? yeah, the Game yeah. of Thrones intro I mean that shit's iconic no words just it's, it's film it's television it's video games where it used to be like that was the high class art that people would go to watch in shows and now it's represented in our digital media more than people actually go and, and watch it but people still love it
1: yeah, we um Oh a kid at work who absolutely loves it, try like composes his own video game songs and stuff like that, and to him that's what music is. And you're like, all right, fair enough. I right. mean man, it really
0: does hit the vibe though, right? Like if you're playing a video game and you're you're in some like climactic event, like maybe you're fighting a boss or something like that, and they, they time it perfectly so that the climax of the of the boss fight hits the climax of the music and it'll give you chills and you're just like, Oh shit, you're like brain explodes as the combination of the of all of the elements going in of the gameplay and the music peaking at just the right time and that is its own form of art. The one
1: that was amazing was um, the original Red Dead Redemption not the original the um PlayStation 5 one or uh, not PlayStation 5 PlayStation 3 one or whatever. Yeah Red Dead the first one. Yeah yeah and and you had that big John Marston. Yeah do you do you remember? There's the big bit where it's basically an excuse for the game to load the second half of the game. Yeah. But you're going along, and it's got like this big orchestral score going on in the background and stuff as you like going through this beautiful countryside while the machines going shit load load load. Dude, I'll and tell you what. Amazing.
0: One of the best music moments I ever had in a video game was in Red Dead Two. Did you ever? Did you beat that one? Yeah, yeah. You know where you go to the. Or you get dumped off onto the island for a while, go 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 warmer, go oh, or, yeah. whatever that fictional island is, yep. and then you come back, and then you take the horse ride to your village that's getting burned. And that song, I, I play it on the gym playlist all the time. It's called uh, can, can you pull this up for me? It's by D'Angelo. Uh, I don't know the
1: song, man.
0: Uh, uh, unbroken, unsha- yeah. uh, unshaken, something like that. Fuck, I love this song. I love the absolutely love this song. Unbroken. Broken. Yeah. So, can you pull that up with me? Unshaken. The, on the unshaken. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So can you put, just so people can see it? You don't have to play it or we'll get us pulled, but yeah, Unshaken. If you've never heard this song, so basically th- this shit literally gave me chills, right? So you, you land on this thing and it's like this. Get back from the shipwreck basically and you're on your way back to like your your hub world your little town and right As and it doesn't let you like sprint you're on the slow jog and it starts playing in the background And then while you're on your way there the music hits perfectly and you go and your fucking house is on fire It was just like dude. It literally gave me chills and it just everything hit at the right time and I was like that's amazing another good one is uh You ever play that zombie game? Oh, shit. What is it called? Where you drive on the motorcycle. Oh, no. Nah, nah. You know the one I'm talking yeah, about, though, yeah. right? I can't remember the name. <sighs> Someone listening to this is going to kill me. It's a really popular game. The zombie game, the attack and hordes. And there's another good moment like that, too, where you're on your motorbike, your motorcycle, and you're driving back. And they have the music slow play. And it literally times it out because they know it's like a two-minute ride. And they peak it perfectly with the drama of the video game. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's an absolutely beautiful thing, and it literally just give you chills. The Witcher was like that, too. I always <laughs> just remember those women, <laughs> those girls, like, hello! <laughs> like, right as you get into this sword fight and shit. Yeah, man. I love it. Maybe we should do more video game content.
1: Video games. yep. Uh, yeah, I'll tell Hill, Skyrim. <laughs> Skyrim. Skyrim's
0: nice a great again. one, too. Great music in Skyrim. I mean, low-key, the best music in the <clears throat> video game, or in the media... Just general digital media industry is, is video games. The music is just spectacular.
1: While, while we're going down this hole, did, uh, did you see the uh, new Metroid game? Yes. Oh, that looks amazing. I know. I just hope it
0: doesn't disappoint. No. I want to play it so bad.
1: What's it called? Metroid Dread, that's it. Yeah, Yeah. yeah
0: I know. Yeah. There's a lot of good video games coming out soon, man. We, we should literally do more video game content. I love it, you love it, everybody loves it. We're in Singapore. Yeah. Everybody here loves video game content. So we'll do more of that in the future, I think. Maybe I'll put up a just to see. You know, maybe it'll suck ass. No one will watch it. Maybe it won't. Who cares? No one watches this oh, shit oh, all anyway. These so, kids are going, what the fuck are these old men
1: talking about? <laughs>
0: all right, man. Let's uh, let's finish up with these fights, dude. There's so uh, we have big fights this weekend, and then the big one next weekend, two weeks from now, is Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier in the rematch. Both of those cards are absolutely sick. Uh, the one next week is a oh. Islam Makachev that's who's on next week so Khabib's brother in arms and uh, you know no we... so
1: I've got that isn't that next week? no there's a oh my god there's a week off fights and then I've got Sunday the 11th of June so two weeks is um, the McGregor one can you pull it up on, up there on yeah, the main? Yeah. So let me get that back
0: up so this is what's next week? let's do next week first and then we'll, we'll touch on this cause we can probably... so according
1: to this is not a fight next week
0: Oh, this is the next one? Yeah. Oh, oh, so there's not one next week? None. Good. I need a break, dude. Like, I love fighting, but I need a fucking break. Like, today, I literally sat four hours trying to watch fights. And as we sit here and I'm trying to break them down, I don't remember anything I watch. Because if you just binge four hours or something, you're like, it's so messy in my head. Yeah, dude. Yeah. But I thought maybe Islam is the week after.
1: Yeah, that's the week after.
0: Okay. Okay. So this is the next. Okay. So the big one is the next card. Yep. Okay. So why don't you
1: shout this out for me? Let's go through the main card here. So, um, obviously, top of the card, the big one, Poirier-McGregor three. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think?
0: I can't... Listen, Dustin Poirier is low-key my favorite fighter in the world. Low-key my favorite fighter of all time. Yeah. Who's the king of violence more than Dustin Poirier? Who? The people said it was Gaethje. People said it was Eddie Alvarez. Alvarez. You know who beat both of them? Poirier. Motherfucking Dustin Poirier, the diamond. Mr. Lafayette himself close to my hometown I'm from West Virginia West Virginia and Louisiana are really incestuous cousins because we like that kind of stuff in the south you know what I mean (laughs) so listen man Dustin Poirier is too consistent he's too good McGregor is too soft he's sleeping in those fucking silk sheets he's living on his yachts did you see that shit in the last fight where he's literally because they fought in Abu Dhabi right yeah He's literally parked in his mega yacht and then he would just like dock and go to training and then go back out on his yacht. Dustin Poirier is not doing any of that shit. Dustin Poirier is a fucking grinder. He's the most blood and guts fighter in the history of the UFC in my opinion. He's beat all of the kings of violence. He beat Eddie Alvarez, knocked him out. Dustin, or Justin Gaethje, knocked him out. Conor McGregor, knocked him out. Khabib, yeah.
1: listen. No one beats listen. Khabib.
0: No one touches Khabib. No one touches Khabib. But if you had to ask me, who's more violent? Yeah, Dustin Poirier. Khabib is better. Khabib is better, and he's more able to to uh, do his game plan. No one has ever fucking stopped Khabib. No one. Khabib's the goat, in my opinion. He's the clean goat. He's the natty goat. He's the goat goat. Because uh, as much as I love John Jones, Khabib never had a. Barely ever lost a round. I can't, people say Gleison Tebow, fuck you. Gleison Tebow, whatever, dude. He didn't do shit. Khabib's the king. He's the king of MMA forever, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think anybody will ever be as dominant as Khabib. Okay, let me ask you. Who in the history of combat fighting of any caliber has been more dominant than Khabib? Name me one athlete in the history of combat sports who's never fucking lost a round or you can count on one hand how many rounds he lost. Muhammad Ali retired late, lost multiple times. Everybody says Muhammad Ali is the GOAT. Mike Tyson, Sugar Ray Robinson, the hit, Alexander Karelin, wrestling. I mean, I'm going multiple, Hodger Gracie. I'm going through every discipline, major discipline in combat sports that exists: Boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, wrestling. Nobody has ever been that dominant in the history of combat sports, regardless of combat sports. Khabib is the motherfucking king. Outside of that,
1: <laughs> now that I've established now, yeah. that, now that we made clear who you think is the best one,
0: yeah, I mean literally. Okay, in your head, right? Yeah. Who is the greatest? Let's not not Khabib, and I'm talking all time, not in the short term. Who, in your opinion, in the global zeitgeist and the kind of collective consciousness of the the world, is the greatest combat athlete of all time? Most people would probably say Muhammad Ali, right? Yeah. How many losses did Muhammad Ali have? Six? Seven?
1: He got salty towards the end of his career. Is and, the problem there.
0: And yeah. you know what makes the difference? Maybe you could throw Floyd in there. Floyd lost rounds. Floyd lost rounds. Split decision against Oscar De La Hoya. Zab Judah not, uh, dropped him or n- nearly beat him. Regularly
1: or, took the first three rounds of fights off.
0: Yeah, w- which, to be fair, that was strategic yeah. in most cases. Yep. Right, But earlier on, he had some trouble. Right, like he, he was put in trouble. He lost rounds. He had a few close fights. Um, Khabib, I never saw... He maybe lost one or two rounds. People say, oh, the third round against Conor McGregor. Okay, he got jabbed a little bit. Whatever, but he, fu- he fucked him up afterward. Like, so, okay, maybe he lost the, according to the judges, if I'm being technical, he lost the round, that one round against Connor. A couple judges gave a round uh, from Gleason T. against him. Other than that, nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think he's the most dominant combat sports athlete of all time, but when shit gets dicey, this is the, this is the question about Khabib. When stuff gets dicey, what happens? No one knows, because it never got dicey (laughs) with Khabib, which is both the biggest testament to his career and also the biggest question mark of his career. It's amazing how dominant he was, but also no one ever saw him hurt. Poirier's been hurt. He's been beat. He's been all of that kind of stuff. But when going gets tough, he never loses. Like, he's lost, but he he got a Korean zombie, I think. Can you pull up Dustin Poirier's record for me?
1: Yep.
0: So he obviously got choked by Khabib. He got, uh, he got beat by Korean Zombie. He got beat by... Connor beat him. A long time. Connor beat him, knocked him out in the first round. So he can get beat if he gets caught. He's a little bit like Tony Ferguson before Tony Ferguson went on this recent lot lose streak. Yeah, so let, let's see what we got here.
1: I've, uh, well, if we go back to his... Oh, God, look at that record. Pull that up. Put that,
0: no one wants to see my face. Pull up Dustin Poirier's okay. record. My face does not compare to Dustin Poirier's <laughs> record. No one wants to see that. Let's look at this. Okay, so keep going. Let's see his, all three of his lo- or all five of his losses. Cubs Swanson no, decision, okay? Chance on junk, Darts choke. That's what it was. I knew he got choked. Danny Castillo decision. So, I mean, early on, he was still raw, right? Now we go up. Now let's get to the recent streak after he lost to Conor McGregor. So
1: Conor's, his first loss to Conor's there.
0: Okay, so now you're dealing with... Pretty good fighters here. Yancey Madeira is still currently fighting. He just fought today. Uh, Faheya, uh, Joseph Duffy, the guy that beat Conor McGregor, knocked him out. Bobby Green. Okay, moving up. That was the one. Michael Johnson. By the way, segue, Michael Johnson gets no respect. Knocked out Tony Ferguson, knocked out Dustin Poirier. Yep. The guy gets no respect. He's... He's gone up and down, but that, that dude deserves a lot of credit because he's beat two of the best ever in the history of, these, of the lightweight and the featherweight division. Anyway, moving on. This is where it gets interesting with him. Look at that. Jim Miller. Then you have the Eddie Alvarez, the first one. Okay, but then he came back and he won that fight. Pettis, Gaethje, G-G. Alvarez, Holloway, oh lost to Khabib. Then we have the Dan Hooker, the Conor McGregor. I mean, dude, that is sh- that, those, that is probably the toughest five fights in the history of MMA. Up there. Anyway, Shogun 2005, that's up there. There's a few of those streaks. That's one of the best streaks of all time. This guy's... And so many of those fights were just brutal. The Dan Hooker fight, absolutely brutal. The Justin Gaethje fight, brutal. Both Eddie Alvarez fights, brutal. Like, man, he had to go through shit to do that. Here's what I don't want for Dustin Poirier. I don't want him to go down the Tony
1: Ferguson route. No. You don't want to see him go
0: in that, like... Skid.
1: but of the two fighters in that main card of uh, Pereira and McGregor, who's the one who's most looking like he's going down that Tony Ferguson route at this moment? Into Conor McGregor.
0: You know what? I rewatched the fight. You can find it on uh, YouTube for free now. The UFC just released the the second fight yeah. for free, and I remember watching the first fight, and I remember thinking Conor was ahead. Of course, until he got finished in like seven minutes, right? This is the other thing, people. People remember that fight and they think, oh yeah, Conor McGregor was winning until he got stopped. First of all, Conor got taken down in the first 30 seconds of that fight. And then what he did land were just like pitter-patter shots. He started to, Poirier started to establish that calf kick in like the second half of that first round. You could already see it by the yeah. end. And then two minutes into the second round, he was done.
1: Yeah, but he, I, I said at the time, I thought Poirier made easy work of him. It was and easy. I, and I think he will again.
0: It was easy. Yeah. It was easy work. And here's the thing about Poirier. God, he has got to win the title. He's got to win. Who the fuck deserves it more than Dustin Poirier? I think he's the uncrowned champ of the division. If he gets past Connor, he for sure deserves the title fight against Charles Oliveira. He probably should be the champion right now. I think he beats Oliveira. Yeah. If Oliveira beats him, I just emotionally, I might not recover. <laughs> I might not recover. Oh, and by the way, Charlie Olives, I got you, bro. I love you. He's another one. He's like a Bisping character who fought for years and years and years to get to that point, totally deserves it. I respect the shit out of him. Super dynamic fighting style. But pretty much everybody thinks that Dustin Poirier should have been in that fight. He was ranked ahead of both of them, both above Chandler and Oliveira. So in my opinion, until one of them beats him, Poirier is the fucking king. But I hope he doesn't lose those fights. (laughs) Because if Conor McGregor... Listen, I like Conor McGregor. I love his style. But if he wins, if he beats Poirier and then he... He favors up pretty well against Oliveira, honestly. I think if Oliveira and Connor fight, if Connor's like on his game, he wins. Yeah. I don't want to see Connor win another title. Like I just <laughs> as much as I like him and I just do you? Do you want to see McGregor win?
1: I How much of a McGregor
0: see... fan are you these days? I feel like his star has dramatically diminished over the last two years.
1: He's um he's more popular than he's ever been potentially, but not because he's a good fighter anymore. Like he's, you know. He's popular like a
0: Kardashian is popular. Yeah, that's exactly Like He's famous because he's famous now. Yep. In the the Zyke, of course, MMA fans know who he is. He forged his path. He's a two-division champion. He's obviously extremely legit. But in the current landscape of things, when was the last time he won a fight? Cerrone. I mean...
1: And that was a weird one.
0: Cerrone's 37, way past his prime. He's been on a skid ever since. Before that, when Diaz... 26-17? 26-17?
1: Did, did, did he fight Eddie Alvarez after that? Eddie Alvarez was his last amazing God Emperor McGregor performance. When was that?
0: 20, can you pull up Conor's record? Let's see, let's see how recently he's had success. Not
1: <laughs> In very. Not, whiskey.
0: <laughs> not very. Not very. So what do we got here with Conor McGregor? Yeah, the longest Wikipedia page of all time yeah he because after Alvarez he fought yeah, so he, he his lost. last
1: his last performance where he looked like himself like the McGregor that the world loved sort of thing was that Eddie Alvarez performance which world. is one of the greatest performances ever in MMA for sure but that I was agree completely. 2016 16 yep so that's 8 years ago no <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so let's go with a good five years ago just to round it okay <laughs> by the way this is what four beers and a cigar will get you children don't <laughs> okay, anyway so then so, lost uh i mean the Cerrone one is still legit you can't take that away from him it was a beatdown, but that's not against top flight competition right dustin poirier made easy work Khabib made relatively easy work minus that third round yeah listen i i think it's a runaway for poirier I think Connor is way past his prime. I don't think he tastes tastes championship gold again. I don't think he ever establishes his form. I think one of two things happens. The first thing that happens is he loses to Poirier. He loses to Poirier. He gets the Diaz trilogy. If he loses to Poirier and he loses to Diaz, he's done. If he loses to Poirier and he beats Diaz, he's done. Yeah. Because he's not going to retire on a loss unless it's three losses in a row, which then he has to to save face. And if he beats Diaz, okay, what has Diaz done recently? 12 seconds of success against Leon Edwards? Okay. Listen, I was screaming at the TV. I was super crunk for Diaz, but Diaz looked like shit in that fight. The volume wasn't there. You know, the Diaz brothers attack you with volume he's bending over and showing his ass and then he gets him hurt and he's point. the killer instinct is gone
1: yeah we, it was we, no we killer instinct po- we said it on the podcast that disappeared that he could have taken edwards out but instead decided to point and laugh at him yeah
0: well if i hadn't violated children <laughs> then people could have heard that podcast but clearly it's really good
1: we we, we <laughs> actually a good watched podcast. those fights in detail unlike today it was a
0: good podcast we had a structure we came in with this whole thing it was excellent no one will ever know because i endangered children You know this MMA podcast that I do with my buddy, who I train with. We endanger children, so (laughs) no podcast. Anyway, I I digress (laughs) on that point. Point is, Diaz hasn't done shit. No, he looked like shit in that that fight. Even though he had the chance to win, he like the thing he was doing. He's bending over and he's like, and then he hurts him and he's like, he doesn't swarm him. The volume was gone. The, The aggression was gone. He's more showboating than fighting. I just. I was not a fan of... Everybody loved that. Big Dios, Big Dios. Everybody was sucking him off. For me, I thought it was a terrible performance. He had an opportunity when I mean, he didn't.
1: He, he was outperformed for all but the last, what, 35 seconds of the fight? Thoroughly outperformed. Like he, was, he never looked like he was in it until that last bit of the fight. So.
0: And the parts where it looked like... I mean, I actually think he could have done better if he had fought. He didn't fight. Yeah. Where was the volume that the Diaz brothers are known for? He's sitting back and fucking around and getting kicked and turning, he's turning sideways and bending over. A lot of people enjoyed that fight. I, I did not. I thought Diaz was a shell of himself. I thought it was his worst fight ever. Uh, at least with Masvidal, he was still br- walking forward. I just thought it was bad. So anyway, get back to the point. Let's say that he loses to Poirier. The, the Diaz trilogy is always there, right? Yeah. I don't know who will win that, but I think win or lose, he will retire after that fight. Let's say he gets past Poirier. Obviously, the UFC is going to stick him in a fucking title shot. Whether or not he deserves it, I think he loses to to Charlie Olives. I think he loses to anybody that's it's in that top tier. But I think he's a good matchup against Oliveira. Yeah. And if he manages to somehow get past Poirier, I think he stands a decent chance of winning that fight. If he does win and he so somehow then, beats Oliveira, just retire, dude. Because yeah, you're done. Then what? You're done. Like, you can't. If, you, for, if you're a two-time lightweight fight, champion.
1: If I, if I, yeah, go fight the Paul brothers. Make a million dollars, like $100 million for each of those fights. $200 million in your bank account. And, you know, quite easy money for Conor McGregor. Do that instead of, like, fighting UFC where you could get actually badly hurt. I mean, I'd still like
0: to see him fight Tony Ferguson. And I think that'd be a good fight. You know, I think that could be an interesting one. There's other things you could do with him, but if he loses another one, it's going to be a tough tough sell for his legacy and for the fans because the fans are already starting to change their opinion of him. He's still a huge, like, casual draw. So, like, the people that don't watch MMA, Conor McGregor's fighting, so let's watch. But you can only do that so many times and lose so many times before even then that shit starts to sour. Yeah. So... It'll be interesting. I mean, my prediction is a, is a definite win from Poirier. Maybe there's a scare or two in the fight because Conor McGregor's still dangerous. He's still got that left hand. He thinks he's a boxer now, which I think is weird. You know, if you watch the first Poirier uh-huh. fight, he throws a wheel kick to the head in the first 10 seconds. He's level changing. It's so dynamic. His front kicking is level changing, spin kicking, spinning back fist, heavy hands, walking him down. And then you watch this last one. And he's just like trying to ripping, and... and But he got taken down. He's getting hit with check hooks. He's getting his calf kicked. It just wasn't the same.
1: It's a shame. When you go back and watch his earlier fights, he used to be so good. He used to be so entertaining. And just everything about him, like, his stance is different now. He's got a boxer stance. He used to have that like quite wide stance. Like, his kicking used to be excellent. When was the last time he kicked someone? Like, I can't
0: yeah. think. And then also the... The trash talking is gone. The, the thing, the mental warfare seems yeah. to not really be there. Apparently he's gonna bring it back. That's what everybody, it's two, the fight's in two weeks. Where is it?
1: Jose <laughs> he, Aldo, he's, he, steal, he, he, he's he stealing the his belt. He went out the six months taking the piss out of Jose I Aldo. I know,
0: he's stealing his belt. He's fucking trolling him. He's talking in his face. He's screaming at people's Where They're like, oh yeah, trash talking Conrad McGregor is coming back. Well, the fight's in 14 days. Where's he at? I haven't seen shit. I don't see any of that. i see seen nothing. So, and again, you know, you can't go to training camp coming off your fucking yacht yeah. <laughs> and expect nope. to beat Charles Oliveira, who grew up in a motherfucking favela. Like, this dude grew up in a favela. Dustin Port, listen, Lafayette, if you, if you don't know Lafayette, that he grew up poor, right? Like, these people that are fighting from that, that type of place, can you pull up the lightweight rankings? L- let's take a look at the top five in the lightweight rankings here. Because these guys are not Conor McGregor. The best thing Conor McGregor could do is just literally go back to his roots. He should rent a shitty-ass apartment in the middle of fucking Dublin. Maybe he's too famous for this, right? But he's got to do something to get back in touch with his roots because this like, oh, parking your yacht to go to your training session to go back on your yacht and sell your whiskey, this is just not, not working anymore. There you go. So this is top five in the lightweight division. Let's see what we got here.
1: Obviously, Oliveira top, Poirier, Gaethje, uh, Darish, Mark Michael Chandler, Ferguson still in there bizarrely, Dan Hooker, Rafael dos Andres.
0: The only th- people I think that Conor McGregor can beat in that top five is Tony Ferguson. Maybe Michael Chandler. I don't think he beats Oliveira. Don't think he beats Poirier. Don't think he beats pff, a lot of those dudes. So it'll be interesting. You know, we'll watch. I'll I'll be super pumped. Oh, definitely watching. Oh yeah, and I'm not against Conor McGregor. But you know, it's hard to get behind those people that are like megas. it's like Floyd, right? It's, it's really hard to, LeBron. It's, it's really hard to get behind those people that reach that super stardom. Actually, I take back what I said about LeBron because LeBron has been amazing his entire career. He's married to the same woman he got with from the very beginning, he seems humble. He's never had a scandal in his entire life. He's not punching old dudes for saying they don't want his fucking whiskey. Like, Conor McGregor's kind of a douche, really. Like in this part of his career, he's got some very, very douche-like tendencies. The Poirier thing about not donating to his charity, shy, eh? what a cunt move. He donates it to another charity, like next to his, but it's in his same town. Just the shit, the, it's just the shit that he does. Like, I'm, I'm a fan of his fighting style, but it's a little bit like John Jones. I'm a fan of his performances, but not a fan of him as a human. <laughs>
1: <laughs> at, least, at least John Jones is fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And John Jones owns it, at least. Yeah. <laughs> now now he does anyway. All right, let's break down the rest of this card real quick because this will be the next one that we cover. We'll do a podcast next week, but we'll talk about some other shit. Okay. Gil- um,
1: Gil- Burns, Wonder Wonderboy.
0: That's a good one. That's a good. This card is a banger. Yep. Steven Thompson versus Gilbert Burns. I got to go with Wonderboy on this one. Wonderboy, I think, also... I want him to win because at least it's a different fight for Usman. Yeah. Because he already just beat Gilbert Burns. Uh, Thompson's takedown defense is really good. His striking, I think, will be better. But he's a little salty in the old age bracket. Is he 38?
1: Yeah, he's getting on.
0: Can you see how old he is? 30, 38. Yeah, boom, nailed it. 38. So you're dealing with a couple salty dogs here. in uh, Stephen Thompson and Gilbert Burns. I like Stephen Thompson in that fight. He could get submitted, but historically his his submission defense is pretty good. But it's an interesting fight. If Steven Thompson wins after the Usman Covington fight, I feel like he should be next in line for that.
1: No, Leon Edwards.
0: What has Leon Edwards done,
1: dude? <laughs> you're right. You're right.
0: I I don't know why. I'm just like the standard. The, the standard poor Leon. Edwards. I know. I'm feeding into it. <laughs> that guy can't get a break. Like he dominates Nate Diaz for. F- <laughs> fucking literally 23 and a half minutes
1: <laughs> not lost then, in years i know
0: and yeah, everyone's like fight. "Meh, man you know what i mean man you're right you're right he deserves it i don't want to see it but he deserves <laughs> it plus Usman already beat him at least usman and wonder boy haven't fought yet yeah but you're right man poor fucking leon edwards can't get a break <laughs> poor leon edwards man he had a rough... He had that fight with Woodley scheduled in London. He probably would have beat... Woodley was already on the decline at that point. Yeah. If he had gotten that fight, he would have Straight gone above the Bill, Gilbert Burns. Yeah. He got a rough one, man. But, you know, but he got that... I don't know, man. They have to do the Masvidal fight, I feel like, before they give... After that three-piece Minnesota shit. Yeah. They got to do He's that first. The,
1: that's one of those bizarre ones that actually the UFC and I assume Leon Edwards would make more money if he fought Masvidal than he would fight him for a title. Because you'd pack, like they could main event they a with with Masvidal Edwards, and it'd get more buys. And you hype that shit
0: up. You show that video of Masvidal bitch slapping him a bunch of times. You know what I mean? You hype that up. Yeah, fuck it. Let
1: him fight. Wonder Boy can fight for a title. Let's watch that instead. And if Masvidal wins, mm, no, I'm not watching that again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you do then? That's the question. But so that's a, that's a good fight, man. I'm i crunk for that one. Let's let's keep going. Let's knock the shit out uh, of the
1: park. Tie to Title vs. Uh, Greg Hardy an advisor, I reckon. Ugh. I mean, yeah. Ugh. Just okay. It. <laughs> we don't have to ignore
0: it. Uh, it. I mean, excuse me. The thing about I feel protect- like either guy's not particularly relevant. It's a it's a fun one. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of. Obviously, I want Tui Vossler to win. Yep. He's hilarious. Drinking shoey. Chugs beer out of a fucking nasty ass shoe. I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan. He's funny. Australians are hilarious. Just like that whole crew of like those crazy Australians. Thoroughly enjoy them. Greg Hardy likes to beat on women sometimes, so I'm not, I can't really get behind. I guess it's behind him and people grow and all that stuff. It's a weird, it's a tough one. It's to, a
1: weird UFC experiment that we've already seen is not going to work because the second he comes up against someone who can double leg him, he's fucked.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I just think there's not a chance there. But having said that, Tui Voss is not exactly the most technical guy to ever. He doesn't have great wrestling. I no. know he's training with Cormier a little bit now over at Gilroy and doing all that kind of stuff. But fun I fight. like Tuivasa in the fight. I hope he wins. But it's, I'll watch it. It's, it's a fun fight. Yeah, It's not super implicative of the heavyweight title picture or anything like that. But it's a fun one. Let's round out this, this uh, main card here. What else we got?
1: Um, Irene Aldana uh-huh. versus Yana. Kuniskaya. Thank God you said that. You okay. said that really I, saved, badly. I, I bailed you out, <laughs> you bailed dude. Yeah, I tried to, to bail you
0: out there. Yeah. That's a good fight. Yeah, Good female fight. I don't really have a dog in that race, but it should be a good one there on the main card. And then the last one is... O'Malley. Ooh, Smolka. That's a good one. Good one. Got to take O'Malley in that one. But Luis Smolka is really, really wiry on the ground. Yeah. He's really, really sneaky jiu-jitsu. He's just like a it's like a worm or something. Like you get a hold of him, he just slithers out of stuff. Good fighter. Sean O'Malley, probably that's going to be a, a, a blowout for him. Uh, the unless... thing about
1: O'Malley is, I always watch him and he... He's just got that weird lanky frame on him, and it's happened to him a few times now. That you, I, I just, and I want him to win. So really, really, like he's hilarious. He's a fun fighter, but he's one of those guys you're watching. You're like, oh, but his knee could go out at any second. (laughs) Yeah, a little weak in the
0: legs, so they say anyway. Yeah. He's not had a huge UFC career, but here's what I'll say about O'Malley in the in the sense of he reminds me of Conor McGregor in one way, and that's his fighting style. He is damn dynamic. Yeah, He's throwing spinning back fists, wheel kicks, jump spinning back kicks, dropping people with, like, he's just so flashy and dynamic, and he packs a ton of power. He is a fascinating fighter. Like, the hype, no one knows exactly where he's going to end up. And that whole thing with Cheeto Vera, I didn't lose all, that's kind of bullshit, right? Yeah, you lost. That rubs some people the wrong way. But, man, when you watched his fight with, uh, what was his last fight? He fought, uh, oh, Try can you, can you yeah, if you don't mind pulling it up. He knocked him out in the third round. He dropped him in the first round. But, he, man, the, the type of techniques that he was throwing, to have the confidence to throw that, he's really, really evolved into one of the most dynamic strikers I've ever seen. Thomas Almeida. Yeah, yeah. that's who it was, Thomas Almeida. Okay, so Thomas Almeida and Sean O'Malley, we, we sorted that out. And uh, he's fighting Louis Smolka in the... Is that, that's the first fight on the yeah, main card. Yeah, that's the first for main card. I mean, they're obviously trying to pump him up, right? Yeah. This is why they're putting on the first fight of the Conor McGregor card. So, can I see the undercard real quick? Just to see if there's any other tasty fights in there.
1: might run out of battery.
0: That's okay. We're pretty much done here anyway. I just want to see if there's any other juicy ones on the undercard that are worth remembering. Mm. That's a good card, though, man. I can't wait to watch that. And then the following week is Islam Makachev. Yep. And uh, I can't remember who's fighting. Moises? Teocho Moises? Something like
1: that. Oh no, laptops died. Okay, <laughs>
0: laptops died. Well, whatever. We'll break it down as it happens. We pretty much wrapped this thing up. It's been a solid hour and a half. Jake, the producer. Thank you, my dude. No, it's good. Good fun. Good, good fun. We're back, everybody. Podcast is back. Training is back. Life has kind of resumed to a normal situation here in Singapore. So uh, if you like this podcast, please give it a like and a share and a comment. Uh, Otherwise, if there's anything else you'd like us to talk about, please just leave us a comment. You can email me. You can get a hold of me anytime on my social media. You can maybe get a hold of Jake if he decides he wants to listen to you. Maybe not. just depends. Okay? He's got a lot of football, a lot of rugby. He's got a lot of things going on right now.
1: So so much sport. I can't wait. The Olympics is coming as well. Hopefully. Fingers crossed for that one. It's going to, it's going to, the summer sport is here.
0: Yeah. We're in a good spot. I mean, if you're locked inside, then at least you got something to do, something to keep yourself preoccupied with. So everybody, thank you all for listening. I hope you all stay safe. I hope y'all are back to training and having a good time. And I hope very much that you enjoy this podcast. So thank you all for listening. This is the Stronghold Podcast and have a good day.